Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. Special Edition is a production of Intercom Communications. Welcome to Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. Coming up this week, there's plenty of summer left, and that, of course, means more bazaars. There's one in Harwood, and we'll tell you about that. Also, coming up, Trooper Anthony Petrosky from Troop in Hazleton has an invitation for you to get to know Pennsylvania State Police a little better by attending a Citizens Police Academy. He has the details. But first, we're going to start off with an event coming to downtown Scranton at the end of August. The inaugural Electric City Classic, a project of Scranton Tomorrow presented by the Wright Center for Community Health. Liz Baldy and Joshua Mast from Scranton Tomorrow are here with all the details. We want to welcome some folks from Scranton Tomorrow. Now, I don't know, who's going to be the one to introduce us and tell us about Scranton Tomorrow? The Prez? Yes, I'll give you a little bit of introduction if you want to. Yes, absolutely. Joshua. So, uh, Scranton Tomorrow has been around over 25 years. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and our really goal is to support the downtown. um, That's downtown Scranton. Um, We've been designated as the economic driver, really, for the downtown, so we've got a lot lot of different committees that work on promoting the downtown from our safe clean and green to our promotions to our economic uh, different committees um, and our safe clean and green is probably the most visible committee uh, where they do all the planters in the downtown they do the mulberry islands um, you know our promotions committee we're working right now on uh, Christmas uh, is it comes every year and everybody is always surprised but it always <laughs> comes every year so um, you know we are um, you know a volunteer organization and uh, we're just very happy to be here today to tell you about the electric city classic yeah, we'll talk about that. But first, Joshua, who is involved in Scranton tomorrow? I know you are a business owner. Yes, so we have um, a lot of local business owners, um, some um, non-business owners, uh, <laughs> property owners, um, and people that are really um, about our downtown and making Scranton a great place to live um, and to have fun and, uh, you know, with our education systems that we have there, um, you know, we've got great partners uh, with all the universities and um, higher education in the downtown area also. Now, Liz, let's yes. have you explain a little bit about some, uh, Joshua was telling us about the the planters and things like that. So if someone who is maybe hearing this for the first time and maybe, 
I guess there could possibly be people who aren't familiar with Scranton tomorrow. How would they get involved in order to help you folks out? So as Josh said, uh, we have a committee structure set up for our Safe Cleaning Green Committee. It's made up of community leaders. It's made up of volunteers, business owners, um, just people that residents downtown that want to get involved in keeping downtown beautiful. So if somebody wanted to come out and volunteer, we do four plantings a year for spring, summer, fall, and we even do a winter one for Christmas decorations in the planters. There's that word again. I know. <laughs> um, they can contact me um, at my email address, lesbaldi at scrantontomorrow.org, or they could visit Scranton Tomorrow's website, scrantontomorrow.org, um, and um, contact me through that. We get all of our emails. They could sign up to be a volunteer. Um, it's usually on the weekends, only a couple of hours in the morning, a nice way to spend the Saturday or Sunday morning. Um, we often uh, try to recruit some organizations, like the, the Junior League, any kind of volunteer organizations. We use students from Scranton High School. We use uh, students from the university quite often. Our latest planting, we planted 16,000 flowers uh, <gasps> downtown in the new planters. We have 141 planters now, and we use 65 students from the university a couple hours on a Saturday. It was great. So they can actually get service hours? Yes, they can. When they're when they're helping out. Is yes. it only the downtown you focus on? So our uh, specific footprint is downtown Scranton. So our footprint goes between Lackawanna Avenue and Pine Street, and then also Mifflin to Jefferson is our footprint. Oh, that's a pretty big it's footprint. It's a big footprint. Yeah, but right. no, we have a lot of great volunteers, and they all make it possible. Now, the event that you're here to talk about today is going to take you out of downtown Scranton it a is little at, bit. It's in downtown Scranton. However, unlike uh, many other events, it is not focused on Courthouse Square. Right. We move the footprint of this event over slightly, so it will be between Mifflin and Wyoming and Lackawanna and Linden. So we kind of took it off that way, gave those businesses a break for closing down those streets once in a while, um, especially for this inaugural event. It's the first of its kind, so we might as well make it a little bit special. Okay, Joshua, come on in here. Come on in here. What is this? You said electric before. So um, the, it's the Electric City Cycle Fest. So it's really called a CRITS, uh, which is a high-speed bicycle race on a closed course. But because, like a the look crits? on your face, who knows what CRITS is, which is a criterion. Um, so that's why we're calling it the Electric City Cycle Fest, so that everyone gets it uh, classic. I keep on saying that, um, even though I'm a classic, I guess, at my age. <laughs> Um, as long as you're not a Chris, I don't know what that is. So, um, you know, the great thing is, is this is a way for spectators to get close um, to the bicycle race. They get to be right on the course. Uh, the start is oh. and finish is going to be right on Wyoming Avenue. Um, it's a short course that they'll go around multiple times at up to 50 miles an hour. <gasps> um, so it's something that most people have not seen um, in this area, which is great. But the really great thing about it is that there's going to be events all day. So there's events for kids. There's um, our hand pedal. Um, so there's different things throughout the whole day. So, you know, whether you're just coming down for or the high-speed race, or you're coming down with some family and friends earlier in the day, or you want to just come and stay all day and experience our wonderful downtown, you can. So there's really something for everyone. When is this happening? So this is on Saturday, August 24th. Um, that's the high-speed race um, in downtown. And then we have a really cool um, hill climb on Sunday, the 25th, that is open for Everyone, whether you're a amateur bicyclist, if you want to walk it, if you want to run it, uh, and that's in the hill section. 
Oh, of course. It has to be in the hill section. That's where all those <laughs> awesome hills are. Tell me it's Ash Street. No. No. Oh, come on in here, Liz. Tell us. <laughs> so what is actually, it? we originally when we were planning this hill climb, we didn't show anybody this hill. It was found. So we are going to use the hill between um, Prescott Avenue and Taylor Avenue on Olive Street. Hmm. So if you're not familiar with the hill section, I wouldn't readily go ahead and drive your car up this hill. It is exposed cobblestone and open brick paving. Oh. So it's going to add a little extra level of difficulty for the hill climb for professional racers, for amateur racers, for kids that want to run it. It's going to be a fun day. Um, we're not just doing cycling, as Josh said. We're going to try to get some fun community events in, whether it's dragging a garbage can up it on foot, uh, get the university kids involved. It's their move-in weekend, so it'll be really fun to have all their families there. It's right next to student housing. Um, it'll be a really fun spectator day for sure. I bet. So it, I'm a, I wish we, I wish this was television. Because the looks on my face is <laughs> my face is just uh, who came up with this? It, it is something different to the area for <laughs> sure, sure and we're hoping that this becomes an annual event that we keep growing and growing. But it's for sure for the first year. I think we're going to get a really great turnout for people just to see what are they doing? How, how is this going to work? And are people going to get hurt? Are people going to be crashing? It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. The first thing I thought of was when Josh said fifty miles an hour oh, yeah. through the streets of Scranton. But then again, some of us have driven 50 miles an hour through the streets of Scranton, yes. but not on a bike. But then now you're talking about this. Hill climb. Yes. How, how, who who came up with this? So is this something that's done around the country? It's done around the country. There's oh. um, different races in Pennsylvania. Even um, there was one in West Reading and in Downingtown. Every event is a little bit different. All the courses are a little bit different. But Criterium Racing it happens all over the world. Um, it's in Barcelona. They're in France. Um, and then in the United States, there's really big ones in Brooklyn and San Francisco. Um, but because Scranton cycling community is growing so much, uh, we thought that this would be a really fun way to kind of incorporate the cycling community and also bring something new that, like Josh said, family members could come to. It's a family-friendly event. It's not just for people who like riding bikes. It's just an exciting event to watch in general. So how long do you think, Josh, that the bike part of this will take on Saturday? Any guesstimates? Well, we start at 11 um, and we go until the criterium, which is at 8 o'clock. So really it's an all-day event. Um, and you know, you were asking earlier about where the idea came from, and it actually came from our Economic Development Committee um, because they're about you know improving uh, the economics in our downtown. And so this is really a way that you know, as we said, families can come down all day, they can eat, they can shop in our wonderful you know restaurants and specialty stores they can pop back and forth to the race they can participate in earlier things in the day um, you know so that it's not just a oh I show up for a couple minutes and then I leave right. um, or you know even the our wonderful St. Patrick's Day parade we all know what time it stops in about you know it's it's about two and a half hours to three hours where this is a day event so you know we hope to really make it a family-friendly event it's also you know feeds into our um, healthy living uh, which, you know, we're all about in the downtown and about promoting. Um, so, you know, it's a healthy lifestyle event um, and it's a family event. So we just want people to come down and cross your fingers. We're going to have a beautiful day. Do you have to be a professional in order to take part in the bike part of this? Yes. So in the um, the later day activities, yes, you do have to be a professional. Um, the earlier uh, day events, uh, the more family friendly events, um, you know, for kids and stuff, of course, they're not professionals. Uh, and then the Sunday hill climb is open to all. 
Oh, wow. That really brings everybody in. Liz, how do people get involved in all this? Let's say we have somebody listening and they're saying, well, I consider myself, because I know even in our own building here, we have people who ride. Um, does that make them, what makes them a professional? So our race is cur- it's governed by USA Cycling. Oh. So there are regulations and certain avenues that you need to travel in order to be qualified to race in a race that is this technical. Our course specifically is drawing racers from outside of Pennsylvania. We have um, uh, racers from Texas. We have racers from Ohio. We have racers from Maine. They're all um, registering because our race is so technical. There's 10 tight turns. So USA Cycling, they have regulations. They have qualifications that you must have. Oh. Just as the New York City Marathon, you have to have qualifying races in order to enter. Um, the same with the criterium. Um, they are they have different categories of racers, so they call them cats. So cat one and two is the best of the best, which is just before the pros. Then they have the cat three and four, and then they have a cat five. Cat five is one of the, the lower ends of the category, but you still need to have races that qualify you in order to be on the race. And it's for safety reasons. Um, we need to be able to keep up with the pack. You need to be able to like handle the turns with people riding two inches away from you uh, without causing crashes. So it's for safety reasons why you must be qualified for it. Um, but that's why we felt so strongly that on Sunday we would have a race that's open for the community so everyone can get involved in that as well. So will you have some local people taking part yes. in the professional? So yes, we will. Um, actually, Discover NEPA has a cycling team uh, that they will be participating um, in the race as well. I did not know that. We have um, local racers, but they're from Allentown, Bethlehem. We have people from Philadelphia coming up. Um, but yeah, no, there's a couple of cycling um, enthusiasts in Scranton uh, that will be participating as well. So it'll be really exciting. And then it's fun to have some locals there that everyone, that they, it's a familiar face that they could cheer on and make signs for. It'll be a really nice day. And if somebody is uh, interested in getting involved in this and maybe they're, they haven't done so, but they've realized, oh, I fit into that category. Is there a time frame that they have to uh, register? So they could, again, they could register right to the day of, um, and they can go to electriccityclassic.org um, and register through that. Um, also, they could go to bikereg.com, um, which is sanctioned through USA Cycling. Now, what about the Sunday event? Is the Sunday that... event, you could uh, register, all, again, through our website. But you do have to register. You do have to register, okay. uh, but you could register the day of. We will have a registration table right on site that you could do that, too, if you did not want to register online. And what time is that happening? So on Sunday, it's a little bit of a shorter day. It's between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. on Sunday. You mean you think you're going to get all these people up this hill from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m.? I think that we will if they try hard (laughs) enough. Absolutely. And I know that, I mean, the whole weekend, Josh mentioned, is kind of like a healthy living, a nice refreshing like look at what we're doing as a community to stay healthy, to stay fit. Um, It's actually, we are so very thankful that our presenting sponsor, the Wright Center for Community Health, has been so involved in this and helping us guide the healthy living aspect of this weekend and really get people involved. Well, let's, Josh, explain to me, what is this healthy weekend now besides the fact that we have to be very agile in order to make these turns. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, the Healthy Living is really uh, one of our initiatives through downtown Scranton and Scranton Tomorrow is that people just realize that, you know, it's not about being 100% keto diet or 100% vegan. It's about living a healthy lifestyle and, you know, getting your rest, you know, walking, um, seeing what we have to do downtown. um, And that's because the Cycle Fest, if you see these people, they're all make 
us feel like we are so not fit and trimmed. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's about yeah. that healthy lifestyle living and that we can do that in our downtown, um, you know, and being, as Liz said earlier, also it is also the weekend move-in for the University of Scranton students. So it's also a great way to show them, you know, what our downtown has to offer along with, you know, all of our supporters that are going to come down for the Electric City Classic. So will you have different uh, booths set up, yes, tents the, set up? Exactly, yeah. They'll be right across from the uh, start and finish line. Uh, there'll be a whole uh, parking lot filled with different tents of different vendors, um, you know, food, beverages, but also, you know, healthy living uh, vendors to promote that lifestyle. And you mentioned the Wright Center, and I have to say, hoot hoot, Intercom Communications, we're involved exactly, too. Exactly, and we really support all of the help uh, that we've gotten from all of our sponsors, so thank you. Yeah, well, absolutely. Do you want to run down the list? Because I know absolutely. that these are, the, these are the folks that make it all happen. All right, so our presenting sponsor, as I said earlier, is the Wright Center for Community Health. Um, we couldn't do this um, without the City of Scranton, without the Lackawanna County Visitors Bureau, without Lackawanna County and the University of Scranton, and of course, our wonderful media partners. <laughs> Yay, Entercom. We have WNEP as our broadcast news. We have the Times Tribune as our print news. And then we also have Lamar advertising for our billboards. We appreciate so much all of the support we've had from our community, um, all of the in-kind services that people have offered. Scranton Tomorrow is very touched with everybody getting behind us and getting really excited for this inaugural downtown event. Well, I'll tell you what. It's nice to have something positive. Because we're hearing, and I'm assuming now that we're going to be getting all kinds of coverage, if you're talking about people coming from all over the country, yay us that we have something nice and positive to talk about. So who's going to give me the rundown? Let's start with Josh. Josh, you tell me what's happening Saturday. What day and time and everything? Where? (laughs) So on Saturday, we've got the Electric City Classic, sorry, August 24th, starting at 11 o'clock, right in front of the Ritz Theater in downtown Scranton. Granton on Wyoming Avenue between Linden and Spruce Street. Uh, we'll be uh, registering people up until uh, that morning, and uh, we expect you to come down and witness something that you've probably never seen before. Okay. And so bring now- some money and shop and spend. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and now, Liz, you give us the Sunday rundown. All right. So head to the historic hill section of Scranton on Sunday morning. Um, this will be the Electric City Hill Climb uh, starting at 11 a.m., like I said, um, in between Prescott Avenue and Taylor Avenue on Olive Street. Uh, we look forward to seeing some people conquer our, the Cobblestone Hill. Uh, that'll go until about 2 o'clock. There will also be vendors available that day, some food and beverage and merchandise. So don't forget to bring out your family, your friends, your relatives, and ex- again, experience something that you've never seen before. And as Josh said, your money. And bring your money. <laughs> bring Don't your forget. Money. Don't forget your money. Where can we find the information when you're not here to tell us? So when we're not here to tell you about it, you could go to electriccityclassic.org for all of the information on the race weekend and events leading up to the race weekend, as well as scrantontomorrow.org for more information about our great organization and all we're doing for downtown Scranton, um, as well as find some other links to some fun cycling activities in the area. Joshua Mast and Liz Baldy joining us from Scranton tomorrow with the details on the inaugural Electric City Classic. Now don't go away. More special edition and a Citizens Police Academy to tell you about to come. Welcome back to Special Edition. Have you ever wondered what it might be like to be a Pennsylvania State Police Trooper? Well, maybe not be one, but at least get to see what goes on behind the scenes a little bit? You have an opportunity. 
Pennsylvania State Police Trooper Anthony Petrosky is joining us. He's from Troop in Hazleton. Trooper Petrosky is a community services officer and public information officer, and he has details about how you can take part in an upcoming Citizens Police Academy. Now, it's not just happening at his station, it's happening at other stations as well. He'll give you the details and we'll also find out where else you can sign up. It's certainly an interesting idea to be able to see what someone else does for a living. And Trooper Petrosky, when it comes to law enforcement, you folks give us folks the opportunity to walk a mile in your shoes? Yes, but safely. Yes. So see, with law enforcement, you know, you really can't get in one of our patrol vehicles and go out and go on calls with us because, number one, it's dangerous. Number two, you don't have the training. So Pennsylvania State Police has a program called the Citizens Police Academy. And what that is is it's a way for citizens to learn more about the Pennsylvania State Police in a classroom safe environment. So do you really get to see what happens? You get a good insight. Again, going out in a vehicle, you can't get that experience unless you go through our state police academy and become a state trooper. But the Citizens Police Academy really gives you all the moving parts within the Pennsylvania State Police. It's it's only one day within those eight weeks for two and a half hours. It's every Tuesday, 6 to 8.30 p.m. at Penn State Hazleton, and it starts October 1st, and it runs through November 19th. And each week, there's two different presenters. And they come in and they talk about their job within the state police, what they do. Uh, Sometimes there's case demonstrations from an actual case that was investigated. Um, Equipment's brought in. And people, it's a a great classroom setting for people to ask questions, um, really get interaction within state police and within different entities within the state police. Not just a patrol trooper. We bring in criminal investigators, forensic services members, computer crimes members. We bring in um, patrol vehicle. We bring in equipment. Uh, who else did we bring in? We brought in, last year we had a, a criminal investigator who investigated cold cases for over 20 years. Ooh. He presented a case study. It was mind-blowing. It was better than a TV show. Wow. Yeah, and this is the place for it. And people can ask questions. And we bring in our Heritage Affairs Section Supervisor. We, different What's entities that? within the state police. I've never even heard of that Basically, one. he goes around the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and he handles civil tensions within the community. A lot of people don't even know we have that within the state police. Again, this is the way we could give back to, our, to our, our community. Now, again, when we talk about a citizen's police academy, yes. the first thing that my mind goes to is Camp Kadesh. Right. Now, that's a little bit different, I'm assuming. Yes, most people know about Camp Cadet. Right. And the big difference here is there's no running, there's no physical exertion. This Ooh. is just for anybody <laughs> to learn. And you have to be 18 years or older to apply. And again, this is learning. And, and if there's somebody who's interested in law enforcement, specifically the Pennsylvania State Police, this would be great for them. By the way, it's free. Oh. Uh, 100% free. Uh, the, the things that people learn, the questions you get to ask, uh, I mean, it's just, there's not too many programs like this. When you're talking about setting something like this up, and I am assuming that, again, there must be some things in some areas that you can't because of because of legal. And one of the things you mentioned was going in the patrol car. Correct. Now, now what we do is we bring a patrol car up. We have two uh, patrol members that come up one night and talk about their job. And then they actually show off the patrol vehicle in the parking lot. Uh, we, we let the... Uh, 
the people who apply to this, can we let them use a radar gun in the parking lot? Um, so they get to actually look at all the equipment, sit in the car, check it out. I mean, we have computers in the car. We have printers. There's a lot in, in the vehicle, so people yeah. get to sit in it and see it. The only thing is we can't drive them around, take them on patrol. You're not going to get that experience. It's, it's too dangerous. But, again, you want to learn about law enforcement. You want to learn about the state police you're thinking about going into law enforcement. This is a great opportunity. When you're also talking now, you know, you're mentioning the fact of people going into it. But what about the average citizen who might say, well, I see you folks on the road. I see you on patrol. I don't know whether I want to get that close to you people or not. (laughs) You know what? That's who we want. I mean, we want anybody. We want people who like law enforcement. We have people who are on the fence with law enforcement. Maybe this will sway your decision. You know, again, People see us on the side of the road all the time, writing tickets, investigating crashes, directing traffic, things like that. But not everybody gets to sit down with us Mm -hmm. and learn about us and ask questions and interact with us. And that's what this is for. This is that safe setting. This is that opportunity for us to invite the community to sign up for this course. It's two and a half hours for eight Tuesdays, 20 hours total. Um, And they get to learn a lot. And again, you have questions, you want to talk about things. This is the great, great setting for that. What about getting involved in this now? Again, the average public is going to be still close to the police car, close to the officers. Are there things that you have to do before you have before you would get involved? Yeah, so you would have to apply, and, and the application for this Citizens Police Academy, which is Troop N, and which covers Lower Luzerne County, Columbia, Monroe, and Carbon Counties, every, the application is at every state police station. So it's at Hazleton, Bloomsburg, Lehighton, Stroudsburg, and Fern Ridge. Or they could email me, and I could send an electronic application. You just have to fill that out, email it back to me, and we do a background investigation. Um, once that clears up, then you'll be accepted into the academy, and, and it's free. Um, you do get a certificate for completing this, which would be great on a resume, um, you know, anything like that. Um, and, and that's basically it. It's a very simple process. Um, but again, we, we have to limit it to 40 people so we can have that, that, that close setting. You know, we can't take any more than that. Um, and Penn State Hazleton campus has been great to us. We have a great classroom for this, um, and the facilities are great. And you mentioned um, a background check. Now, yes. is that similar to what you have to go through with fingerprints? No, or? nothing like that. Um, we do a criminal background investigation. That's all. So it's not too entailed. Um, but again, this is a state police function. Uh, you know, we do have our name behind this, so we have to make sure we're getting the right people. I guess some of the questions that would come to mind may be a little bit confrontational. That How do could you happen. Handle that. You, you know what? This is how you do it. You know, rather than somebody, you know, talking to the wrong people about issues they may have with law enforcement, talk to law enforcement directly. We're not going to shy away from tough questions. And I'm glad you brought that up because one of the presenters that comes up for our academy is an academy instructor from the Northeast Training Center. And what the instructor talks about for the one class is our use of force. So he'll give out scenarios. Uh, he actually does it. He last, last year he did a taser deployment um, on, on, a, on a mannequin, not on a oh. real student. There's none of that. Um, <laughs> but to show how it works and the effectiveness of the tools that we carry. Um, and, and he gave out some, some scenarios. And he asked some of the students, what would you do in this situation? And then he would explain our use of force and why we do certain things. So some people may be out there thinking, well, why do they have to use a taser? Why do they have to use pepper spray? 
we're going to clear that up in this academy. Wow. Yeah, it's very very informative. Yeah, yes. I, I, I was going to say, because a lot of times, and especially one of the first things that you talked about was we see state police and local police departments on the side of the road giving tickets. Sure. So someone comes to the class and says, well, you know, I think you guys have a quota that you have to meet by the end of the month. And we do get that. I uh, we, we, we definitely get that. And that's fine because that's where we want to clear it up. By the way, we do not have a quota. But again, <laughs> you know, we want to answer all these questions. And, and this is the third year that we'll be running the Citizens Police Academy. Um, before that, before two years ago, in Troop N, the Citizens Police Academy wasn't done in like 15 years. Oh. It's a department program, but it depends on the troop community services officers to run that. So my partner, Trooper Peters, and I, we thought, you know what, let's bring that back to our troop. Um, past two years, it's been great. Yeah. So we want to keep moving forward with it. Uh, you know, we hope we get a lot of people that sign up for it. Again, it's free. Um, it's only two and a half hours for eight Tuesday. And I promise you, it'll be great. Last year, Luzerne County District Attorney Stephanie Salvantis came up. She spoke on her aspect of her job. So, again, you know, it kind of entails the whole criminal justice system. We had our fire marshal come up last year, a forensic services member. Um, so, you know, some people are interested in certain things, but you're going to be well-rounded when you leave this. I was going to say, do you take suggestions? Absolutely we do. Yeah, and one of the suggestions last year from a group of females in our class was – can you bring a female trooper up next year? And I thought that was great. We were going to this past year. She ended up going on a call the night she was going to come over, so we had to bring another trooper over. Um, but I, we're going to use that this year. We're going to make sure a female trooper comes over um, because that's important. We have many female troopers now in the Pennsylvania State Police, and we want to showcase that. That's important. Oh, it's they do very, the same job as every other trooper. Exactly. It's, it's very important. And one of the things, too, when, when you were talking about the use of force, females, force, um, the whole, I mean, the culture of the world is changing Correct. so much yes. that that must also play into your academy. Sure. It, it absolutely does. And when you talk about use of force, you have to look at the officer. So if somebody is a smaller trooper and they're going up against either a group of people or somebody that's larger, they have to go to their tool belt. And that's what this is that we wear. Um, these are tools that help us, and we can help other people with them. And that's why our academy instructor comes up and he explains certain things, and it's really eye-opening to people. I bet. And when you're also talking about um, the use of force, do you give the class the opportunity to get arrested? Because, we, again, I think that's right. that's one of the other things that, that most people think law enforcement. Sure. Cuffed and taken Correct. away. We, we definitely demonstrate everything that's on our belt. I mean, we don't demonstrate the pepper spray. That would just be cruel. <laughs> um, but, again, last year uh, the instructor deployed the taser um, on a target, which was really cool for people to see. And then he explained everything. This is what the taser does. After it's deployed, this is what happens. This is how the trooper uses it. Um, and, you know, we, we could definitely demonstrate the handcuffs for people. That's no problem. I guarantee they're not going to like them. Mm. Uh, it's definitely not a good feeling. <laughs> it's that claustrophobia right. thing. <laughs> right. And the other thing that I also think of, and I know that this has been in the news locally, and you're from the Hazleton Barracks. Yes. So... This whole idea of live PD, right? Uh, does that make your job harder, easier? Uh, I mean, well, I don't want to put you on the spot. Yeah, no, with no, that. not on the spot at all. The thing about that is, you know, that would be done in Hazleton City with their police department, not us. Um, 
but we obviously assist them whenever they need it. You know, the job comes first. So you kind of don't let any of the other distractions get in your way. Um, you know, you just have to be aware of your surroundings. That's all. I mean, if our troopers were to go over and assist them and they had a TV crew there, we would still do our job. That's right. it. Um, you, you know, first just, and foremost. I'm just also thinking of just the whole idea of a lot of the TV shows and right. the movies and things like that. Right. And then you have all these citizens coming in who say, well, I just saw this movie, so... It, right. You know, it can it's, kind of make things a little mixed up. You know, it's a good thing that there's these positive shows about police officers and things like that. And it shows the reality of the jobs. Um, but, you know, that's something that we can discuss. You, you know, that's great because there's a huge difference between TV and reality. I mean, there's a huge difference. And, and you know, we like to explain that. Um, there's no doubt about that. We like to explain that. So, yeah, I mean, we, we could talk about all these different kind of issues. No problem at all. Wow, I'm fascinated. It's I a great program. It really is. I always wanted to do that, so yeah. we'll have to see about this and, year. And, and I just have to say, this does not certify you in any law enforcement capacity at all. Again, this is for, it's called the Citizens Police Academy. It's for residents of the four counties that Troop N covers. Um, you leave with a certificate, but you are not a certified police officer. <laughs> yeah, so just need to clear that up. We don't up. get yeah. a red light. No, we don't you get can't go pull pulling people over. over. Oh. Darn. But you'll know what happens when a trooper does pull somebody over, though. You're going to learn all this, yes. <laughs> and and I think probably the biggest thing is when you're walking in someone else's shoes, you learn to respect what they do right? and why they do what they do. Absolutely, and I, it goes both ways. So this is a chance for us to hear about the citizens that we serve every day. So we take that. We give a critique at the end of the course, and we ask, hey, you have any issues you want to bring up, please do. Again, we want to learn from them. How can we change? Is there something we could do? Is there something that's going on in their neighborhood that they just never wanted to say anything? But now here's their opportunity. We're all ears. All right. Trooper Petrosky, give it up. Tell us where, when, and how we get in touch with you. Very simple. You could email me at anpetroski at pa.gov, and I'll send an electronic application. Or you could go to the State Police Hazleton Barracks, Fernridge, Lee Heighton, Stroudsburg or Bloomsburg Barracks and pick up an application, send it in to me, email it in, and uh, it's a really quick process. Facebook page, Twitter page, all Twitter. That. You can follow Twitter. me on Twitter at PSP Troop and PIO. I have it posted on there also. Anybody has any questions, call the Hazelton Barracks and ask for me. I'll gladly explain this process to anybody. Thanks again to Trooper Petrosky from Troop in Hazelton about their Citizens Police Academy. Now, Troop P. Wyoming will be holding their 20th annual Citizens Police Academy. Theirs will begin on Wednesday, September 11th, and be held every Wednesday from 5.30 to 7.30 at the Training Center in Fort. Troop P. covers areas in Bradford, Sullivan, Wyoming counties, and Luzerne counties except for Hazleton and the surrounding areas covered by Troop In. If you would like to find out more about the upcoming annual Citizens Police Academy of Troop P. Wyoming, you can get in touch with Trooper Deanna Pekansky at 570-560-1366. Don't go away. We're heading to the Bazaar on Special Edition. We're back 
with more special edition. What would the summer be without festivals, picnics, and bazaars? But it also means an opportunity to help organizations that are trying to raise funds to keep going and enjoy some of those delicious homemade foods. Now we'd like to introduce you to Mike McMahon. He's the assistant fire chief with the Harwood Fire Department. They have a bazaar coming up in August, and there's some food there you won't want to miss. Mike, you're back, and I said we were going to have you back. Now you have a big party coming up. We'll talk about that in a moment, but first, really? You got an engine? Yes, we did. Uh, About... Uh, the end of May, we located a fire engine in Long Island, New York. It's been serving in Bethpage, uh, New York, for almost 20 years. It was a, it's a 1998, and uh, that was for the right price. It needs a little bit of work, but nothing crazy. Uh, we have it at our station in Harwood right now. We've been working on it for the last month diligently, attempting to uh, repaint it, get lighting upgrades done on it, and get tools mounted in the appropriate places. So that way, when it's done getting all of its services, hopefully by the end of August, we'll be able to put this into frontline service. That is wonderful. Give us a little bit for our, our listeners who weren't tuned in maybe the last time that we talked about this. What was the whole impetus behind you getting this new engine? So uh, presently, even right now, we're running a 1984 Pierce Arrow pumper, which is, uh, number one, it's a 1984. Number two, it's seen its better days, and uh, it's getting tired. So we've been in the market for a newer used fire engine for quite some time now, and uh, finally we were able to come across one that is uh, equal to actually better with the the pump size and the tank size for the water, and the uh, engine we purchased is in immaculate condition. And to go along with it, that that engine has a lot of history behind it. Uh, it's been in service in Long Island, New York since 1998. So in 2001, that engine assisted in carrying several uh, good men to their final resting place. Wow. When we're talking about um, the fact that you're the assistant chief of Harwood, now bring us up to speed on that. Where are you located? Again, for our listeners who may not be familiar with that area. Harwood Fire Company is in southern Luzerne County, uh, Hazelton area. We're part of Hazel Township, 874 Old Street. Um, we've been in service this year for 70 years. This will be our 70th year of service. Congratulations. To the, uh, community. Uh, we're, there was several fire departments in Hazel Township over all these years. We're the last of the Mohegans. There's the Hazel Township Fire Rescue, and we work in conjunction with them on all of their fire calls. So about how many people do you have in your area that you're protecting? Uh, Population-wise, I'd say a couple thousand. Uh, however, a large portion of our coverage area is industrial and uh, commercial businesses. So we might not have a lot of residences in the specific area that we are serving, but we service a lot of malls, industrial plants, and major businesses in the area as well. And for any of our listeners who may be familiar with that, it wasn't but uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago that you were involved, called out to the uh, industrial park for a tractor-trailer fire. And that can be very scary. Yes, uh, that that incident itself was actually uh, quite concerning because of the... uh, the building we went to is uh, United States Cold Storage, and that is a gigantic refrigerator. And you don't want to wor- you have to worry about the release of gases that assist in 
keeping that entire building cold. Uh, I was in the area when the call came in, so I was on scene within 30 seconds, and it wasn't just a vehicle fire. It was a tractor, a trailer, and six other trailers, and the fire had already started spreading into the building. So <gasps> this immediately went to a second alarm fire, and we had to call in multiple hands from all over Lower Luzerne County to assist in the extinguishment of the fire. Wow, that's uh, that can be very scary. And again, you know, when you're right on the scene of something like that, that's... Ooh, you just pull up and, and you start to assess what you have to do. And again, that was the reason behind getting a new truck, because Correct. you need to be able. And not only that, but you're also in that area of Interstate 80, 81, and you have an awful lot of things that you respond to there that, again. There's a lot of hazardous materials that come in and out of our area. Also, just passing through with the turnpike being so close, uh even stuff that's not produced in an area, there are many things that are brought in or are just passing through on 80 and 81. So having newer apparatus that can perform up to today's standards is a very vital part of our jobs. Uh, one thing that our new engine has that our old one does not is has an integrated foam system. So when you have like a fuel fire or a chemical fire that's burning that is just not extinguishing, we can turn on a section of the pump uh, for layman's terms and add water that's coming out of the hose and that will assist in extinguishing. It puts a nice little layer over top of the chemical that's burning, and it puts it out very quickly. So you really have to have quite a background correct, in order to decide, because everybody just thinks, oh, we're going in and we're going to start shooting water at it. But even in a house fire situation, you might not, you know, we, we get a lot of news stories about people that have guns and ammunition and then all of a sudden, these things start going off, and you wouldn't even know that. The first thing for any for any responder, whether it be a police officer, a firefighter, an EMT, a paramedic, is uh, scene safety. And they teach you that all the way through every program, every class that you take. When you pull up on the scene of emergency, the first thing, scene safety. Check for down power lines. Check for chemicals burning. Check for uh, unstable situations, unruly people on scene. Uh, the possibility of any kind of life threat because, yes, we are there to help you. We are here to help the general public. But what good are we if we are not alive because we didn't check scene safety? So our life safety is number one. Number two is the people that were there to help. And that's also another good reason why when they say, don't drive over the hoses. Correct. That is a major problem nowadays. Um, and it's a good way to end up with a fine and also damage to your vehicle. Uh, you're driving over hoses that are five and six inches in diameter. You drive over those, and yes, you're going to damage our hose, and we're going to be really mad, and you're probably going to get a fine from a police officer. But at the same time, you can damage your car significantly driving over that stuff. Yeah, that's a that's a big thing. So pay attention to the people on scene, the responders, to the uh, people that are called out to direct traffic, all that kind of stuff. Now, how about some of the fun? You guys are throwing a party! Yes, we are throwing a party. This year will be our 19th annual Hardwood Fire Company Bazaar. It's our biggest fundraiser of the year, and this is what supports our fire company to keep it open every single year. Okay. When is this? Our bazaar starts the third weekend in August. It's August 16th, 17th, and 18th. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It uh, runs mainly in the evening. Friday night we start about 4.30. Saturday we'll open up around 2 in the afternoon, and we go till about eleven or one o'clock in the morning, <gasps> and then on Sunday we're open from six to or we're open from uh, 
noon till uh, 10 o'clock at night. Till they toss you out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, (laughs) basically, basically. (laughs) Now, of course, everybody has their bizarre things that they like to bring out every year. What does Harwood have? Harwood has everything, as I like (laughs) to put it. Harwood has all of the homemade food. And if I could list off some of that stuff, Absolutely. I've got a whole list here. Come right up there. Let's make sure we have, everybody uh, can hear you. We have chicken fingers. We have French fries. We have our famous beef and cheddar sandwiches. Please don't let the price deter you. You are getting a half to three quarter pound sandwich of beef and cheddar. And if you've been to the Harwood Fire Company Bazaar before, you know that we run out usually before Sunday and we have to go buy more supplies. So Ooh. come and check out our beef and cheddar sandwiches. They are absolutely amazing. Hot dogs, hamburgers, pizza, mozzarella sticks, corn on the cob. We have Mrs. T's pierogies, meatball hoagies, sausage and peppers, holushki, pork and barbecue, homemade mac and cheese. And for the first time ever, we're doing our homemade potato pancakes. <gasps> oh, now what are you in charge of? I am in charge of the bar and outside entertainment. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Take us down to that end of the field now. So to go out to the night, the nightlife and outside, we have entertainment every night. On Friday night, we have the band Cartoon. They are playing from 7 to 11 p.m. We had them last year. A great turnout. They're a great band. They play a lot of classic rock and uh, 90s music, 80s music, and so forth. On Saturday night, we have Jacked Up Country playing. They're going to play from 7 to 11, directly following our Fireman's Parade, which is at 5 p.m. Okay. After Jacked Up Country is done, DJ Ray will be playing tunes, all your favorite hits from today and yesterday from 11 p.m. until 12.30 p.m. Nice. Or 12.30 a.m., I apologize. And who said there's nothing to do? But then you come back on Sunday. We come back on Sunday. We are, uh, we like I said, we open up at noon, and the the bar is usually open around the same time. We have music starting at 6 p.m. We have Big Country. First time this year as well. They'll be playing from 6 to 10 p.m. We also have lots of drink specials and food specials on our Sundays as well. We want to get rid of that food. So if you want a good deal, (laughs) Sunday is the day to come. We're going to be helping everybody out with that. (laughs) Now, besides the food and entertainment games or anything like that? We have lots of games. And we'd like to see more kids show up at our event. We have an entire parking lot filled with uh, all sorts of games that we have come in from outside contract providers. And this year, we're hoping to have a kids' zone oh. in the back of the building area with uh, more easy games, ring tosses, and so forth. That's going to be sponsored by the Boy Scouts of America. Oh, nice. So they'll be able to go and take part in that, and the Boy Scouts can have some fun as well. Correct. And we're going to be helping those Boy Scouts get community service hours towards the badges that they need to meet with uh, their their tenure with the uh, Boy Scouts. So that it's it's a win-win for everybody. Correct. Now, where are you located? We are located at 874 Old Street in Hazel Township, Pennsylvania, to be the Harwood Mines section. And if people are coming 81 South and... If you're coming 81 South from the Wilkes-Barre area, we would be exit 143, the Humboldt Industrial Park, make a left at the end of the ramp, go up to the uh, first intersection, maybe a right-hand turn and just follow the signs from there. If you're coming from... The uh, the north or from the south, uh, Frackville, Schuylkill County area, you can come up, get off at the same exit as 143. 
When you get off, you follow the ramps right around, and the first right-hand turn you can make is the entrance to Harwood. Follow the signs right into the grounds. I know exactly where you are, and you but you will have signs. Oh, there will be signs everywhere. All over the Hazleton area, as soon as you start getting close, there's signs on every state route, 93, 309, so everybody can find their way to where we're <laughs> located, which is actually off of State Route 924. Oh, okay. So that, that also, so in case anybody's GPSing or checking their maps or whatever, they can they can go and they can look. I'm so excited for you folks. You're great. You got your you got the engine. Now the the big bazaar is coming up again. So I'm going to turn it over Mike McMahon, assistant chief for the Harwood Fire Company. You tell us the dates, the times and give everybody the invitation. The bazaar is August 16th, 17th and 18th. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Each day we're open at 4:30 Friday. Saturday we open at 2, Sunday we open at noon. And we go until well after dark. Come out, have some fun, support the fire company. As I said, we do a lot of great things for the community. And without your support, we wouldn't be here today. And are you going to have the new engine on display? We are hoping to. The engine is getting a lot of work done. So it may be in service by that point. If not... Uh, it'll be in service within a week or two after the bazaar. So spit and polish, and maybe it'll be there. If not, there'll be a picture. Correct. Yeah, they'll, 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 there will be at least some pictures of the new apparatus with the, with the old apparatus there. Uh, like I said, it's uh, we're working every single day at getting this project going. It's very time-consuming. Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories, a production of Intercom Communications. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.